people are dying because they're waiting on us. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Hey everyone, so we are back and it is, what is today? It's May 18th, 2022. And I have two very special guests, even though we only have one name on the screen. We have Asia Henderson <laughs> and Uriah, um, who is joining us today. So can, first off, Asia, congratulations. You just graduated from Clark, didn't you? Thank you. I did, yes. <laughs> how, how did it feel? How did it feel? It was a long day, but it felt good. It felt good to finally reach the end of the journey. Yeah, not only did you reach in the journey, I, I seen that um, you guys got gifted a little gift from your commencement speaker this year, too. Yeah, yeah we got an LLC gift from uh, Pinky Cole and her foundation. So we all are business owners now and we get to figure out what we want to do with that. So that's pretty cool. Um, I, and you graduated from Clark with your degree in what? In, in sociology. So, so, so how do you plan on using your sociology degree? That I am not 100% sure yet. I'm thinking something travel based, honestly. Um, I'm into the whole figuring out and understanding cultures across the world. So I'm, I want to do something global. So I will say this. I don't know if you know this or not. Um, and this is public information. We just got an email about it two days ago. Okay. I want you to check out the Obama Foundation. They actually just got um, granted. I think it's, it's, it's like $150 million um, mm -hmm. by the CEO of, um, oh, it's not the CEO of, I forgot the name of, but I'll send it to somebody to send to you. Um, okay. what they have money allocated just for that to actually allow students okay. to just either recently graduated or are in the process mm -hmm. of graduating to travel. And they give you like $10,000 a year or something like that for like three mm -hmm. years. Um, and it's a partnership through the Obama Foundation. So we'll, we'll be putting more information about it on our website. But I also give it to somebody who can I know who can give it directly to you. Uh, right. right now, in fact, as we speak. But so awesome. Okay, so um, one thing I want to talk to you about, we spoke about it earlier. So now you have graduated and you switched from being a graduate to now being someone who's in debt. Um, yeah. <laughs> how does that feel? Well, I mean, I'm thrusted into adult life, so <laughs> that's nice. But um <laughs> I'm definitely deterring it, <laughs> most likely, until I can, you know, get my my footing into into that. That is a lot of debt, especially from a black college, a private college. It's it's a lot. Yeah. So you um, I know that a lot of students have been upset with the current president um, because he made a commitment, right? He did make a commitment right. on the campaign trail that he will deal with student debt. Um, so far, we've seen some movement. I think that they're talking about by the end of May, he's going to make an announcement on student debt. What would yeah. you like to see happen to student debt? I would love to be pardoned, <laughs> considering that I graduated through a pandemic and I stopped my normal college career at the kind of the midpoint of my junior year. I didn't really get to experience the full college experience, what I paid for. So, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have my debt pardoned or something, I, at least cut down, you know. What about you, Uriah? Oh, um, I'm, uh, I don't have any college debt, so I don't fully have a say in what's going on. But I do think that uh, the promises that he did try to push through at the beginning of his campaign uh, has yet to be shown. And that can, that, 
is something that he definitely needs to discuss more and be open about uh, discussing because I do think the people, definitely the younger generation, is tired of just the lies of politicians. Yeah, and you know, it's funny that it's interesting. Um, you may not have college debt, but one of the biggest arguments is that when people who are on the other side of the spectrum are like, I'm a taxpayer, right? I don't know if I want my hard-earned taxes going to people who um, have graduated and now need to start paying back their debt, right, for, for graduating. Um, I, I just think that's an interesting argument because it affects so many different people. Um, and student debt, like most people can't even afford to get homes and all this kind of stuff um, because they can't afford to pay that student debt. And it affects the credit, as we know, at a certain point. Um, so I'm with you. I'm in the same boat that, hey, if you made a promise to deal with it, let's deal with it. Um, but let's take another shift, right? So I know we spoke about um, you graduating from Clark Atlantic. With, for those who don't know, it's a HBCU, um, which is a huge, 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 huge um, thing. But we also just had another HBCU that's in the same area that just got their accreditation back, Morris Brown. So shout out to Morris Brown. Had somebody on the podcast last week who made sure that we um, knew that. But I mean, we understand too, definitely as African-Americans, the importance of having an HBCU um, right. for you. Um, Asia, what does that mean for you to graduate from HBCU? Like, and definitely during the times we're living in right now. I've been telling him and my family this, there's no other experience like it. I am proud, even with all of our issues there, I am proud to say that I graduated from Clark Atlanta University. Um, it's definitely something that I would never live down. <laughs> like I, I love being able to say that I went to a black school with black people for the black community, for the betterment of us, for the service of us. Like I have that to say and you know, tuck under my belt. And there's there's nothing I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah. So you know what's interesting is that um we talk about schools, right? And for I mean, you guys are a little bit younger than me. Um, no, just a little bit. You're right. I think about, we, about, we got a 10 year difference. I think Asia got like a 12 year difference. But when we um, look at like school, right? School used to be that one place that was like kind of like church. It was sacred. We didn't have to really fear going to school. We didn't have to fear um, being in school, right? With everything that has happened over the last week, we've seen that recently, well, we've had a church attack. We had a black church attack where people went into a black church just to go to Bible study. And we've seen um, um, white extremism um, hit that that black church. Then this weekend or last weekend, we just seen um, that black people now have to be afraid to go to the grocery store. What does it mean to you guys to live in the climate now um, where the places that we consider, consider to be sacred and safe for so long, um, I don't know, it's not really sacred or safe anymore. And I want to hear from both of you on this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, honestly, I feel like it's not a big surprise for me, uh, considering the history of America and all of our like racial issues that have gone through the entire length of America itself. I'm like, I'm not surprised no place has ever been that safe for us. So I'm, I'm really not surprised and I'm not surprised with what may happen, you know, towards solving anything. I, I'm not expecting anything to really come of it, honestly. Um, I would say I'm one of the people that have kind of lost a little bit of hope for like seeing some change anytime soon, 
anytime soon, I'll say. But I definitely, I want to see some change. I want to feel safe in my skin, in my country that I was born in. So. Uh, for me, this just uh, restamp the fact that America doesn't change. And in order for that change, and in order for that push to, uh, to be made, definitely for the Black community, for the future of uh, uh, the Black children, we have to be more active in what we want to see for a difference. Uh, the shooting that took place and the other shootings that have happened, all of them are tragic. All of them show, though, the same type of ideology between people. Uh, they all either were raised sort of the same way, believed in the same things, and received the same type of media from each group that they want to be, you know, pleased by, which I think uh, for us, we need to start combating those groups so that they, we can get a hold of it before it can even get worse. And, you know, the one thing that um, I think has been the most troubling for me is that I... Like literally, they um, Sunday we got an email from DOJ, FBI, DHS saying, "Hey, community leaders, come to the table. We want to talk to you." And I think the thing that was most offensive to me, and I said this on the podcast yesterday, is that it was like an apology tour. It was like them saying, "We're sorry this happened to your, to your community, but stay calm. We're sorry this happened to your community, but relax. We're sorry this happened to your community, but yeah, it's like it's interesting, but." As, as a black man and as a black person, period, because I, I mean, we used to be that stigma that, you know, black men had to be worried, right? Now it's the stigma that we've seen um, that they don't care whether you're a black male, whether you're an Eric Gardner or whether you're Breonna Taylor, right? Um, yeah. And we've seen so many incidents that has happened where a white person who would commit a, a massive scale um, issue um, or a massive scale attack on a, on a, on a, on this particular race. Cause it's not just African-Americans we've seen in the Asian community in Atlanta last year. Um, but they go, they somehow get captured, um, alive or they get taken to Burger right. King. Um, but yet an unarmed black man who's probably got a warrant or, um, was accused of stealing a gum, some gum from a grocery store, um, who's unarmed can't make it home. And I, I think that is, it's just, it's disgusting. Yeah. You know, it's it's absolutely horrible that those situations happen and those situations show that we need to actively start reforming our police systems and actively start reforming the security systems and security blanket that we have for the communities. The whole foundation really. Because it's it's more than that. Everything goes hand in hand and at least that's what I've learned through sociology. <laughs> Everything goes hand in hand and all of our issues kind of combine. And it's it's saddening, but it we definitely need to start somewhere as far as reform goes to, to get past it, which will take some time, but it it it's it's worth it. It's so I was to ask you, you know, um any either of you may or may not have heard of a woman named Zanona Clayton. Now you don't have to publicly admit that, right? Um, Zanona Clayton, just for the record, she actually was um, really good friends with Dr. Martin Luther King. She was really good friends with Dr. Um, Mrs. Coretta Scott. Um, and she was really good friends with John Lewis. So she's a part of the civil rights movement. Um, she started a show called the Trumpet Awards that they do every year. Um, and Bounce actually just picked it up and they now manage it. But she's a brilliant lady. She's like 92 years old. And last week I had the opportunity to meet with her at her office in Atlanta. And before I left, I asked her the question. I said, how have things changed from that that generation to now? 
And her response kind of threw me back because she says, nothing's changed, baby. <laughs> um, nothing's changed. She said that um, the way they felt about us then, they still feel about us now. They just changed their tactics on how they deal with us. Um, and then it's crazy because that was like Wednesday of last week and then Saturday happens. Um, so if you guys can see change, when we talk about change, when we talk about things that we want to see change, um, and you're right, you kind of hit on some police reform, right? What are some of the things that you would like to see happen to that you feel like will change the dynamic or change the, the culture in which we currently are living in? Uh, I would like to see uh, Black people of the ages of 18 and higher uh, vote. I wanted to be all of us to actively go out and vote. And I'm not just talking about presidency. I'm talking about for school board. I'm talking about for student council, for deputy, for everything that involves our community. We need to be a bigger role in playing for that. Uh, the only way we can make change on a national scale, in my opinion, is if we start doing it within our own communities. I also want to see more black people start running for those offices. You know, if we don't like the way certain school systems treating black students, making them cut their hair, shave their, shave their face and everything, uh, we need to actively try to be a part of the school board so we can change that. So we can make that safe space for not only our kids, but all the other kids who want to freely express themselves and go to schools where they don't have to do school shooting drills every other day. Right. They'll walk through a metal detector to get in. Oh, yeah. Right. And it's interesting that you say that because you're right. You're from Texas, right? Yes. Um, which, you know, next to Georgia and Florida, I think, well, actually, I think Texas may have went steps further than Georgia when it came to um, protecting the vote, quote unquote. Um, how have you seen like some of the things that have changed when like I, you guys just recently had an election or you guys have an election coming up early voting yeah, or your we, primaries we, coming up? We have our governor election coming up really soon. Uh, I think it's like in November. Yeah, it is in November. But don't you guys have a primary coming up or did your primary already pass? It already passed. Okay. So, but I mean, how did you see from the, from the, this election this year, did you see the changes with the voting laws? Did you see the impact of the voting laws changes? So I did see a huge change because our school district, well, the school district that I grew up in uh, usually had voting booths all in different schools at near the houses so that the parents can go vote easily. This time, they changed that to there was only one voting booth in the whole area almost. Oh, wow. And it was very difficult to try to get to. And it was just, you, you can obviously see that they were trying to make it as hard as possible for people who working for the people who you know have families to take care of to actually go out and vote my parents transportation my, both my parents individually i think stood in line for like six hours in order to try to get there and i was smart enough to send in my stuff through the mail so and you asia you come from a totally different state a lot more liberal um you come from yeah. california are you registered to vote in georgia or are you still voting uh, I'm still registered to California, I believe. Okay. Yeah, because I was I would be curious because California is very much liberal. It's very easy to vote in California. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, totally different world. How has the transition been for you from coming from like California to coming to a place like Georgia where it's a totally different dynamic? Honestly, I I say this a lot. I feel like it's not too much of a difference because I'm from the Bay Area. So I'm from like Oakland. So I come from, although it's diverse, 
I feel like I'm just as at home here as I am there. Um, it feels more like a safe space for me and my blackness out here, but it's still not as liberal. There's still the the nuances just socially between us, but I, I don't know. It's not all that different for, in my opinion. <laughs> and and, I, and I'm curious to know if um, going to someplace like Clark made that easier mm -hmm. um, because right. of the fact that it was, it, was, it was an area where you have to go into like, there are parts of Georgia now you don't want to drive to. Yeah, and, no, I know. Um, <laughs> Same in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, trust me, I mean, I've been. I was just at a place this week, and I remember walking into the restaurant. When I walked into the restaurant, like everybody whipped their head back, was like, "Why are you here?" Kind of deal. And, and I was the <laughs> only one Georgia. in the skin. Um, so yeah. there are parts of Georgia that you know, stay away from. You can talk to your dad. Right. He'll tell you. <laughs> He'll <laughs> tell you where not to go. Um, but I really do appreciate you guys coming on today, like just to be able to kind of have the dynamic in the talk from a different perspective and from a different generation. Because I think that um, what's missing is that we're missing the communication between generations. And right. even with CRT, everybody gets so bitten out of shape. I feel like we as a culture would start teaching this stuff in our home. I have a friend of mine who told me that what he did with his kids, like so literally, like, he bought them every book, right? Talking about black history, about white history, and he let them read them. And he let them make their own opinion. But um, we can't make an opinion on something if we're not willing to even talk about it or teach it. How do you guys feel about critical right. race theory? And should it be something that we teach in definitely in from a college level? I'm all for it. I am all for it. My parents, uh, they, they taught me from a young age uh, to be black and proud, mm. always, and to stand up for whatever I believe in is right. And to learn my history first before understanding their history, to learn that we are the creators, the originators. And they instilled that in me at a very young age. And I think that that is very important for black children to experience, even if it's not on the public school level or the school level, uh, it is definitely a necessity in the household in itself to allow the kids to learn about black history and to teach them themselves if necessary. Yeah, I think it's, um increasingly important because people who don't know the history can't can't prevent the past from happening if you don't know what what happened in the past but you you guys have been a delight to talk to today really um it's so you're so well diverse i love it um and safe flight i know you're leaving soon go back to texas tell governor abbott we said what's up um down in georgia um and congratulations again asia for graduating and um We'll definitely keep in touch because you were on our podcast last year, but we'll definitely keep in yes. touch um, to see how you guys continue to do things. And we want to remind everybody that we will be in Augusta on May 21st this week for our fourth one core conference. So join us there. If you have not already signed up, you can go to our website or go to our Facebook page and join us. But until tomorrow, everybody stay blessed and stay safe. To have to speak truth to power. We just have an obligation to do one thing and one thing only, and that's tell the truth. Because if we live by what his word says, we're not going to go wrong. Every human being deserves equal treatment. If you don't know Vincent's name in your own community, don't call George's name. Where is the church today? One is a church. One is a package store. Which one is the greater influence? We must educate our people like never before. Even in our community, we too will be able to push back the sit. We've got to put our foot down and say, as for me and my house, not only will we serve the Lord, but we'll look like him. One accord is what we need. Stand up for all of God!
children and let's be a one a call. Be it out of the